Well, how's 2022 going so far for you? Having fun, hopefully, having a good time? My prayer in the series that we're doing, New Year, New, year, new You, is that the aim of the new year is not just to have it be a pretty good year. Uh, we really want our lives to add up. We want to be intentional about the things that God has given us to do and make this year count uh, so that this year in your life is not just remembered during your lifetime here on earth, but it's a year banked for eternity. Um, today we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. I also had a curiosity question for you. Um, how many of you have seen the movie American Underdog at the theater recently? Anybody go and see that? I thought that was fantastic. I got to see it last night. And if you're needing some inspiration for your new year, that will provide it. Um, it's a football movie, for those of you who like sports movies. It's a really, really good one. And um, so I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to even say it, but just the fact that you would get a movie recommendation in church on Sunday morning ought to say something to you. Um, so check it out, and uh, you will, you'll be glad you did. It's really, really a powerful story. And I think as we set goals and aim for our lives to matter, um, it, it helps, actually, to hear the stories of other people and how they've overcome challenges, and they've persevered through trials, and they made it to the finish line in their lives. And that's how we, we all want to live. So in our series, we've been looking at what we need to do in the new year to make sure we're on the right track. We talked about contemplation, and that's who we'll become. That's your inner life. That if your inner life with God isn't strong, um, then the, the external facing things that you do aren't going to add up to a whole lot, and your life will still feel empty. So you might have some amazing sort of, I don't know, financial goals or job goals or even ministry goals in this coming year, but if you yourself don't have a rich relationship with God, what are all those things going to mean in the end? And, uh, and then we talked about community last week and how we weren't built to walk through life alone, that we need other people to be alongside us, and that really a lot of the narrative of the New Testament is to love one another, encourage one another work with one another. And, and if there's not one another in our lives, then we, we miss something really important. So I'm glad you're here practicing the gathering with one another principle we talked about last week. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about the third C, contribution, what I'll add. Now, um, this one, I, I, and I, you know, you can kind of open to any page of the Bible and say, this message could be the most important message of your life, because it could. All of God's Word is that way. But for me, when I think about what has made a difference in my life, the verses that we're going to study today um, have in many ways become my own aim in life, have defined my life and my family probably more than any other single set of Bible verses. So to me, this is a really big one, a really important one, and I hope that it encourages you on your journey as well. All right, so we're going to start with a little bit of definition before we open up the Bible and see what Jesus has to say about contribution. I just want us to think about it a little bit in our own lives, like how are we doing so far? So here's what contribution is. It's what you add to the situations and the stories that you're a part of in your life. Um, you contribute something to those, right? So the stories that you're a part of would be like your family storyline, your, your, this church storyline, perhaps the story at your workplace, the story at your school. Um, you're a character in those stories. There's also situations that you find yourself in where you have to react, you have to do something. 
something happens and suddenly, well, what happens? What do you do? That's your contribution to that situation. And, and so if you think about the stories that you're a part of and the situations that you find yourself in, in each one of those, there's an opportunity for you to make a contribution that counts, that adds up, that adds value somehow. You also could make negative contributions to those stories, I suppose. We'll talk about that in a moment. I was thinking about how to sort of visualize this and thinking about how there's two ways you could live. The getting life is where you're sort of hoping other people will contribute to you, but you're not necessarily thinking, how do I contribute to others? So you're, and this would be the immature life, right? This is when you're, any, anyone who's ever raised kids, you know that by the time kids about one and a half, they've mastered the getting life. In fact, really, even though they don't have language, you could even say infants are pretty much, it's the getting life. They're not thinking about you and how to care for your needs or how to have empathy with you. They're thinking about getting their need met. Um, so the getting life is defined by statements like these. This would be what's happening in your heart when you wake up in the morning. What can I have? What can I keep? Am I having fun? What do I want? Can I get my way? And if that is what animates you, if your goals for 2022 are all about those things, then I would say you're living a very limited life that's just about you, which is really sad. Uh, and you'll miss the actual meaning and joy of life if you stay in that category. Other people would look at you and go, man, that person's so immature because all they're doing is thinking about themselves. They're, they're they don't see that there's a bigger picture. So what's the alternative? Well, the giving life is what Jesus calls us into. And that's where when we wake up in the morning, we're thinking more like this. What can I create? Uh, what can I share? Are you having fun? So it's not just like, am I having a good time? But how can I just like think about the people around me and care for them, how they're feeling? What do you need? How, how can I help you? Your, your life pivots instead of being facing you and it's all about you, you start realizing I'm here to contribute value to the stories and situations that I'm in for God's glory, for the benefit of other people, because I love them. Uh, life takes on a much larger dimension when you start to think that way. So just as an early test, you might think, well, here we are at the very beginning of a new year, so I haven't messed up 2022 yet, at least not that bad. Um, so could I make this year a giving year instead of a getting year? And even when I think about the goals that I have in front of me, uh, maybe, you, maybe you're looking forward to you know, graduating from something or getting the next vehicle or buying the next house, getting the next job, having the next child, what, whatever your goals are, are they really in the getting category or the giving category? As you start pivoting your life, you start finding all sorts of purpose in that. Hey, a couple other ways that we could think about this, again, to kind of warm up, because what Jesus is going to tell us is shocking, amazing, life-changing, so I just want to make sure we're ready to hear it, all right? Here's another couple questions. If you think about the kind of contribution that you might add to the stories and situations you're in, do you add joy, value, help, skills, energy, excellence to your family or to your career or to the community, to the nation? Or maybe your contributions are negative. Do you add complaints, fear, pressure, burden, barriers? And when people encounter you, instead of them having joy and getting to accomplish, instead you're actually 
kind of a limiter for others. Again, we're kind of thinking about in the story that I'm in, in the situations I'm in, what part am I playing? Would you like your life to be defined by what you got or by what you gave? So someday, I hope not in 2022, someday Pastor Bill will be standing here and depending on if your family wants it, the wooden pulpit will be here and you might be out there lying down and all the other people who know and care about you that could come will be in here talking about you. Right, Bill, you go through a lot of these situations. The spirit of that moment in your memorial service or your funeral is determined almost completely by whether your life was about giving or getting. Think of this, if your whole life was about getting, there's probably not that many people in the room because life was about you. There wasn't room for other people, so there's maybe not that big of a group to come to celebrate the life you had. In that moment, the times when you go into a memorial service and you walk out inspired and almost excited that the person got to go to heaven and like that you you know you're sad they're gone but it's like it's actually somehow a positive experience it's because that person lived a life of giving that wasn't just about themselves making themselves happy getting their needs met like they thought about something larger and thus their life meant something more so for you would you like to be defined by what you got or by what you gave in your life. Another way to word that question, assuming you won't die in 2022, is let's just talk about this year. Would you like this year to be defined by what you consumed or by what you created? And when you consume something, it's just gone. And we all have to do that. We have to eat, have to spend time doing things. Consuming isn't necessarily bad, but it doesn't last. So if you spend your whole life as a consumer, then when you're in the casket, everything you lived for is right there in the casket with you. And it gets buried with you. And if you're super wealthy and powerful, maybe you're like an Egyptian pharaoh and they put your cat in the sarcophagus or something and they bury the gold and the... It's still just, that's all your life was. Do you want it to mean more than that? If you do, you have to think about contribution. You have to think about creation, not just consuming. If life is just about you, it all ends with you when you end. But if you live for something larger than this life, your life, your moments, your decisions, your heartache, your moments of victory, all of that can actually last, can all add up. Uh, so we want to talk about how that's possible and what we can do. So turn in the Bible to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at what Jesus says to us about life and priorities. And as you are getting ready to hear his words, I want you to think about this idea of the stories that you're a part of and the situations that you're in. Just so that our minds are kind of pre-populated with what we need to be thinking about in the next few minutes. What stories are you a part of? 
So I give, I give some suggestions here on the screen. Your family, your friendships, your relationships, your community, something about your online community and your on-the-map community. We probably all have a little of both. Your job, your school, your church, your nation, the whole world. Like in all of those storylines, you are a character. Is that true? So what is your character doing in that story? Situations, the other side of this equation. These things will happen. When they happen, what will your focus be? When the pressure's on. There's a pretty big difference in an emergency. If, If an emergency happens and you think, how can I help myself right now? Or if the emergency happens and you think, how can I help other people right now? Like that shows something about your heart, about what kind of life you're living. So opportunities will pop up, needs will arise, work will need to be done, someone will need care in that moment, that situation that presents itself to you. What will your focus be? Will it be about you? Or will there be more than just that? So I believe in the wisdom of Jesus here in Matthew 6. He's going to teach us how to think like a larger-than-this-life contributor. So let's read what he has to say. And by the way, we're going to skip a section in the middle, because a few weeks ago, Pastor Dell walked us through an amazing principle that some people actually turn praying into a selfish act as well. Because their prayers are actually about them and how they look to other people and what they can get instead of seeing something more. So look to verse 1, and we'll kind of fill in around that, that concept what else Jesus was saying here. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Now go to verse 19. Don't store up treasures for yourself here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. And that is kind of the story if you were that Egyptian pharaoh that got buried with his cat and his gold. Like what happens to those places? It's just such an amazing illustration of how empty the whole thing is because they uncover some new tomb and they see a bunch of old junk Then you realize all the valuable stuff got raided and looted 600 years ago, and there's nothing there. I mean, that's that's when you live for this world, that's all you end up with. Well, Jesus said in verse 20, Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart also will be. Your eye is the lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. Like if your vision is correct, your life can matter. What if you're seeing the wrong thing, though? What if you're looking at the wrong things and to the wrong things? 
Well, when your eye is bad, your whole body's filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for you will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's like Jesus is saying, you know, in your life, you, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't live the getting life and the giving life simultaneously. You can't say, my life is focused on God and his purpose, but I'm still going to do what I want. You have to choose which side of that fence you'll be on. That is why, verse 25, I tell you not to worry about your everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Like your life right now, the things that you're worried about right now, isn't your actual life more than that? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory is not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, will he not certainly care for you? Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus looks to us, people that were born as selfish little babies, says it's time to grow up. It's time to see that there's way more to your life than just you. It's time to contribute to some things that actually count, that will last forever. If all of your investment is in this world, it will all end up with moth and rust and thieves destroying it and you won't have anything left. Imagine you go into Craig's investment office one day um, and you say, I'm ready to plan for the future. And Craig says, great. We have some really exciting investments here. There'll be a roller coaster and you'll have to stomach through it. There's going to be money you'll make, money you'll lose. It's going to be a lot of fun. And in the end, I can guarantee you nothing will be left. It will be zeroed out. Probably going to say... Craig, I'll pass on that one. Do you have any other options? Jesus tells us, if you invest in this world, what will happen to that investment? It will zero out. It will be gone. It will not come to anything. If your heart investment is just in you, it really does just die with you. That's it. That's all the reward you'll ever get. But God offers you the kind of reward that far outlasts this earthly lifetime, that's bigger and more important than whatever the next piece of clothing you might need is or the next meal you're going to eat or the next other need that you have. He says, wow, the world is out there scurrying around, worrying about all that stuff. You don't have to because you're living for something bigger. 
something larger than this life. So walking through this, I, I wanted to give you a few ideas on how we could think this way in 2022. Here's the first one. Seems kind of elementary. But just realize that your life doesn't have to be about you. It really doesn't. You look to verse 1 and you think about the hypocrites Jesus was referring to. We know them in the New Testament as the Pharisees. There are probably others too in other groups, but Pharisees were a good example of people that on the outside they, they nailed it, right? They looked super holy, but their hearts were far from God and so all the things they were doing were actually empty and hypocritical and sometimes deceptive. Like they're walking by giving an offering and the trumpets are blowing and everybody's clapping and wow, look at what a giving person that is. And Jesus says, you know, that's, that's all the reward you're ever going to get. That's an awfully expensive trumpet blast there. Because you missed the whole reason for why we would even be talking about giving to begin with. It's not actually about you. It's about the people you're giving to. It's about the bigger purpose. So I, I take this as kind of a relief when I think about this statement. Because if my life had to just be about me, then I would have to worry about it. Because I would have to worry about missing something. I would have to worry about what people think. I would have to worry about where my next meal will come from or whether my next day will go well or whether my culture, my country will be what I wish it would be. Like I'll have to worry about a lot of stuff if life is about me. But if my life is about something else, it's going to change what I'm concerned about. Maybe you're anxious, maybe you're worried. Maybe you look at life and it's just depressing and dark. I think a fair question to ask is, have you realized the freeing, amazing truth that your life doesn't have to be about you? Here's the next thing that I believe Jesus is teaching us. Devote your days to God instead of to yourself. Now, when I was writing this, I, the, the, the headline here said, devote your life to God instead of to yourself. And what I realized was that I've done that many times. Like, that's pretty easy to do, especially in kind of like a churchy commitment moment, you know? Preacher turns the screws a little bit. You're like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll devote my life. But, but what about your day? Like this day. Is that devoted to God? So for me, this is more helpful to think of it more practically. Devote your days to God instead of to yourself, which means tomorrow morning, if I wake up and I say, wow, thank you, God, that I woke up again, that I have another day of life, what is this day for? Who is this day for? If it's for me to go chase what I want and get my way and have my fun, it's going to be a wasted day. What if I devoted it to God instead? Incidentally, I think this is actually how you defeat boredom in your life. So, you know, when you have an experience that's just you, initially it's fun, maybe even just for a few seconds, a few moments, but, but almost immediately you start looking around because you want to share it with someone. The experience doesn't mean anything if no one else is involved in it. 
Which is why when something interesting happens and our friends aren't there, what do we do? You whip out your phone and you try to video it or take a picture because you think, I've got to share this. If I don't share it, then what, what did it even mean? Life is really boring if it's just you. I know sometimes for practical purposes this will happen where you eat alone in a restaurant. It actually happened to me this week. I went to a standing lunch that a few of my friends have and I was the only guy that showed up. I was eating my chips and salsa, you know, temporarily happy with that, but feeling a little bit sad that no one was there. It's kind of a strange scenario, right? But imagine if your whole life is that. That's what a selfish life lands you, eating alone. Boredom is when you realize you're not, there's no interest, there's no purpose to something. So this can save you from boredom. If you devote your days to God, you wake up in the morning, and whether you're having a good time or not, your day has a purpose. Whether life's going the way you would hope or not, or whether you're in pain or not, or whether your friends like you or not, your life has a purpose no matter what situation you're in. If you say, my day isn't actually for me, it's for God. So I take that as another freeing truth. The third way I think we can apply this. Define success by what happens beyond this world instead of being stuck inside of it. So look at verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them, rust destroys them, thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. Your success will be measured not here and now, but then and there. Whether your life mattered and whether you contributed anything, I mean, in a way, you see it as you go, but the real result, we find out later of how well invested our lives actually were. I love um, looking at what people put in their epitaphs and you know, hearing eulogies about people because you, you draw wisdom from those things. Uh, George Whitfield was an American revivalist in the Great Awakening era, and he and John Wesley and a few others in that time were church leaders that made a, just a dramatic difference in America and Europe, probably more so than our current cultural leaders would want to admit, really setting the stage for what a lot of the norms are. For, and even as you drive around and you see the like old churches, quote-unquote, virtually all of those were planted in that era as a result of the big movements, and George Whitfield was one of the leaders of that big movement. So if, if he was trying to, like, in a spiritual, sort of churchy way, have a pretty cool list of great stuff to mention at the funeral, he would have a really great list. Like, he made a difference in thousands of lives. He was a part of shaping early America. I mean, he would, he would have had a lot to celebrate. So shortly before he died, he, he said what he wanted on his epitaph. So if you go to his tomb today, there's a little plaque and it just says what he wanted it to say, not what you know, his family might have written. And here's, here's what it says. Here lies G.W., what sort of man he was, the great day will discover. That's it. Here lies G.W., which I think is just right there is kind of surprising. Like, even his name. You say, it doesn't really matter if you know my name. Here lies G.W., 
what sort of man he was, the great day will discover. Judgment day. When everything's opened up. And when we're not worried about what each other are thinking anymore because we are looking at God and thinking about what he's thinking of our lives. So all the things I've done in my life, that's, that's when it's going to matter. So we don't have to go through a list right now. I think that's amazing to think about life that way. Say, my version of success is Jesus saying, well done. And, and the things I have in this world might look successful or not. My days might be cheerful or sad. I might be rich or poor or healthy or sick. But success isn't about any of that. It's actually about what the great day will discover. So you could ask, what will the great day discover about me? Here's the last thought for today. See your life as a long line of stories and situations into which you can contribute. That's why you don't have to worry. And here's where I want to zero in on the last part of what Jesus said. The verse that for me has made more of a difference probably than any other Bible verse as far as defining like what I would set for my own goals in life. I know a lot of you share a similar story. This is a meaningful text for a lot of us. When Jesus said in verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need, he was releasing us from having to worry and fret and scurry and scramble about this world. Because every day that we live in this world is just an opportunity to seek his kingdom, to do his will, we succeed if we contribute to that. So you could wake up and you could be the poorest person in the room, the sickest person in the room, the saddest person in the room, and you could still have a day that's worth it for eternity if you're willing to contribute. If you're willing to say, God, I'll put your kingdom first, and instead of worrying about myself, I'll worry about that. Now, when Jesus called us to do this, he wasn't asking us to give up the food and the clothes and the needs of the... He was, he was actually saying, if you'll prioritize my kingdom, I will take care of you. Which sounds a lot stronger and more stable than me taking care of me. So Jesus offers us this different road. And you give your life to contribute, and he gives you what you need. Now, it gets a little bit better than even that. In Luke 16, Jesus said, if you're faithful with little, I'll give you more. Remember that? I don't think he was just talking about money management. He's talking about your life, like your life management, opportunities. Money is one of those, but it's just one. There's the gifts you have, the energy you have, the days that you wake up. Like all of these things are opportunities. God gives you some of them. If you prove faithful with those, he'll give you more. That's amazing, isn't it? So 
if you're faithful with a little, God will entrust you with a lot. Sometimes I've been in church settings kind of like this morning where we're talking about, you know, give your best, contribute, and, and, and I'll think to myself, I don't have enough to give. I'm already out of juice. I don't have any more dollars or hours or whatever energy in my body to keep going. But God isn't doing this by comparing with the next guy. He's looking at you and what you have in your hands, and are you faithful with that? If you're faithful with little, he will give you a lot. So you have opportunity today. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's not as grand as someone else's opportunity. That's okay. Start with what you have. Say, Lord, could I be faithful? Like, I have a voice. I have breath. I have, I don't know, some of you have my cars, houses, jobs. Like we, probably if we did the math, we all actually have quite a bit already. Not a little, but a lot. So we say, Lord, with what I have right now, I want to be faithful. To contribute all I can, to not think about me, but to think of others. And when I do that, God sees that and will reward me probably in this life and in the next. Your heavenly Father will see what you did in secret. I don't look at that, by the way, and think the secret means like you can't tell anybody that you did something nice. It's about your motives. It's about the fact that something's going on in your heart that's motivating the good that you would do, the thing that you would give, the contribution you make. And it's really not about you accumulating something for yourself or the accolades of other people. It's actually done out of a pure heart. God sees that. God will reward you. So whatever you have to start with, just say, Lord, here it is. I'm ready to be a contributor. So let's pray and make that commitment to the Lord, if you're willing. Lord, you know our hearts better than we do. You see our motives and our struggles. You know um, what it is that we're worried about. And that's the thing we want to give to you this morning. Instead of worrying about ourselves, we want to choose to put your kingdom first and then to trust you to care for us. Help us not to sink all of our investments into this passing world and our own passing lives, but to use what we have for purposes that are beyond just us. To love the people around us, to care for the world around us, to serve those in need to honor you with the choices we make, to prepare for life with you forever. Lord, I pray that you give each one of us some insight today, the stories that we're a part of, the situations that we're in. Instead of looking out for ourselves, would you show us how we can add to others 
Would you show us how to contribute this year? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, God bless you. We'll see you next week to start a new series. Until then, go out and try to contribute.